The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. back to Intune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. I'm here. This is the second hour of our two-hour weekly broadcast focusing on and reflecting on issues that impact and connect our community the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include art, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and justice. Today we have Brian Randanzo and Michelle Rotherham. Correct, Michelle? Rotherham. Rother- You're close. Rotherham. Rotherham. Rotherham from uh, Home First STL. And Home First STL is kind of a, um, what I would call a, a sister group of Bridgebred or kind of a springboarded from Bridgebred. We had an interview with um, Fred, uh, Domke. Fred Domke from Bridgebred uh, way, way back, several weeks ago. I have actually, believe it or not, Fred Domke is like my mentor. And when I was just getting ready to start the radio station, hadn't built any of this, hadn't raised any money, I went down and sat on a little crate in Fred's little office. Okay, which if you think this is a small office, you should have seen his office. Okay, like it was like a closet. Okay, and he just gave me all of his information about how he started Bridge Bread, his philosophy, the mindset, and everything. And that's what helped me when I came back here to structure this radio station. So to see this next stage, awesome. yeah, to see this next stage because I can remember when he was just first starting about getting people, you know, off the streets and into. Uh, baking, and then he had mentioned to me that the next step was now to get ho- get them into housing, and I thought this was like a perfect next step. So whatever you all have to say, <laughs> I'm all ears. So Brian and, and Michelle, take it away. Where 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 did it start? Yeah, so we actually started around the same time as Bridgebred. So both organizations started out of um, Lafayette Park United Methodist Church, and our pastor put on a discussion series around what folks that are living in poverty every day deal with so every week we would talk about and be very you know enlightened on on subjects that a lot of us were shielded from our whole lives but um you know what do people deal with when they don't have health care or they don't have access to food um i mean that's just the most basic things um people struggle with getting every day so so we had that discussion series and then you know we all sort of afterwards we're like well now we we know too much we can't you know just walk away and wait for the you know next group meeting you know to to just talk some more so um bridge bread started and home first stl started so we we started thinking about well what's what are the hardest things you know that are that are kind of keeping people from living the great lives that that we were living and you know get past the the basic needs things. Um, so we tackled the housing um, very naively. Um, you know, we had no idea how hard it would be, but knew. Um, I, I had been doing a lot of volunteering at a day shelter for people who are experiencing homelessness. So I was very aware of um, the problem and that and that a lot of people were falling through the cracks. Um, there were. Um, I would serve breakfast every Thursday morning um, at the bridge when it was still open. And um, 
I would just look out of that dining room and there were just so many people and they, you know, what, what we would learn is, is people pretty much only had access to a meal. And, you know, a lot of the people there were single men and they weren't necessarily um, eligible for other services that are out there. I think, you know, in our society, men are pretty much looked at as you better figure it out. And there are a lot of barriers and everybody's are unique and different. But um, people had major barriers to, you know, living a decent and sustainable lifestyle. What are what are some of those barriers? So, um, you know, it's not mental illness, of course, is one of them, but that isn't necessarily even what we focus on um, because there are there are some resources out there. Um, there needs to be more of everything, but there we're definitely focused on folks who, um, you know, they there are there are services out there for people who are HIV positive, who are um, a veteran. Um, women with children have a few more resources. Um, again, we need more of everything. But if you are a single male without sort of those headlines or whatever, you know, you'd say it's it's sort of hard to get access to to resources. And that's, so, and that's not always for lack of care. I mean, I think what really it boils down to is funding. So most of mm-hmm. the services or, or uh, opportunities that are out there for people to get connected are, are based on the funding and, and where it's coming from and then what you know restrictions are based on that funding. And so, you know, when we started Home First, it was it was really intentional to be a gap fill. So we wanted to support folks who didn't have other opportunities. We didn't want to be another resource on top of others. We wanted to be a, a resource for folks that didn't have anywhere to go or didn't fit a perfect definition of, of homeless or, uh, you know, just didn't have access to all these different things. And so that's that was a barrier right there. I mean, I think one thing that most of our tenants struggle with is just where to find the resources and and how to to take advantage of them Mm -hmm. and you know what was interesting that you said michelle because i actually heard fred donkey say those exact same words he was telling me about you all must have been at the same meeting oh yeah you know and he was saying that you know if i sit through one more of these meetings (laughs) and listen to this problem and do nothing about Mm -hmm. it he says, then I'm not doing my part. And it was just at that point when he and his wife said, forget it. We're not listening to one more of these meetings. We're going to mm-hmm. do something about yeah. it. And, you know, and as I've told you before about, about uh, Fred, you know, he and his wife lived out here in Glendale. So, you know, they had a nice home. You know, they, they had a nice life. And, you know, he basically sold that home and to be able to have the extra money and the flexibility to be able to set up Bridge Bread. And to me, that's very admirable because, you know, it is, it's one thing for people to say there's a problem. It's another one for them to say, you know, let me div- di- basically divest myself mm-hmm. of my fineries to be able to be on a different level and have a different focus. So I just commend yeah. you folks. Thank you. For, you know, because it's a ministry. Yeah, it it is. It is. So I, when we, you know, when we decided what we were going to do, we, we met for about a year to kind of formulate what it looked like. We learned a ton. We, we would invite, we met every week and we would just invite people who were doing um, work in the, you know, homeless advocacy community and um, learned as much as we could and talked about what should our model look like. So we knew who we wanted to help, um, but didn't necessarily know what the right model was yet. Um, Housing first is the model in that, and that isn't a new thing, but that's basically not forcing people to work through their issues before you provide them housing. Um, So 
you know, you provide them housing so that they can work on That's whatever right. issues exactly. they're having. So, so we knew we wanted to do that. But um, over that year, we decided whether we were going to do a group home, you know, would people have a, a bedroom and they'd share their kitchen and bathrooms and stuff like that. But ultimately we decided um, we were going to do single bedroom apartments. So we started, um, we started work on getting our 501c3, um, started work working on looking for the right property to start to kind of kick this off. And we were um, funded by board member donations and loans to start off because, you know, we didn't have a track record yet. So to buy that first property, that's that's sort of how we made it possible. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, to that point, I, I, we've all seen in the news, I mean, there's, there's plenty of vacancies in St. Louis. And so, you know, once the model started to kind of, you know, we started to realize what that was going to be, it was a matter of just taking advantage of some of the, the vacant properties that were out there and, and how can we grab them, utilize them, and turn them into what we want out of them. And with the with the future goal of having the units become self-sufficient so you we you know we buy them renovate them uh and then the tenants um from from day one are expected to pay uh of rent so uh you know at that point it's it's 250 is usually the minimum and then it incrementally goes up once once they start you know working or or whatever but to michelle's point earlier you know i think what we really wanted to to capture is, is take it take away that i don't know where i'm going to be every night you know how can how can we expect someone to to kind of pick themselves up or take advantage of, of you know what what you know what's out there for for all of us if they don't even know where they're going to sleep that night. It's a very very difficult thing to to do. So by taking that you know and, and trying to give them that a little bit of stability, our hope is then they can they can progress and they can take advantage of the resources that are out there, and we can be you know that resource to to connect them uh, to to what's out there. I think you know one of the big things and what I love about Home First is 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 that we we ultimately try to create a community around these folks who you know if I if I ever ran on hard times or, or Michelle ever ran on hard times that you know we have a community behind us of family and friends that it would be hard for me to ever end up where some of our tenants have ended up you know I think I think homelessness in general often has a, a you know a wrong lens that people kind of look through it as and it can happen to anyone it's some simple things as as illness or death or or you know divorce or loss of job basic things that can mm-hmm. cause some of these folks to to go into homelessness and and we're trying to just provide them that community and that support to to be able to pick themselves up and get themselves back into into a good time so that's that's kind of where we ended up and and there are also times where it's just a really a personal tragedy mm-hmm. i remember when i lived in san francisco mm-hmm. i met a woman who um i kind of befriended she was a street a street person and i would see her every day when i was walking from the bus stop in san francisco up to my job at the saint francis hotel and I just somehow connected with this woman. And then one day she told me the story of her life and how she had been a corporate executive. She'd had this very, you know, lucrative, lucrative uh, background and career. She was always working. That's what she told me. I was always working, always working long hours. And then one night she was on her way home and she got to her street and she couldn't get down the street because it had been blocked off because there had been a fire down the street. And she stayed there and she stayed there until she realized it was her home Mm. that was on fire. And it was her family Mm. that was inside of that home. And within one second, practically, that woman lost everything. Mm. And so from there, mentally, she wasn't able to continue with her job, she lost that. You know, with with the house, I I guess she had insurance and stuff, but still her mindset was such Mm -hmm. that she wasn't able to function. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, she was on the streets Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. 
Yeah. Yeah. Michelle mentioned mental health. And I think, you know, that's an incredible barrier for many folks. And it, and it, there's a lot of reasons for someone, but I mean, PTSD, different, different yes. situations that come up, uh, you know, that it's not always as simple as we, we like to define things or like to, you know, put people into a bucket. And that's, and that's why really we, you know, we are doing what we're doing is because we believe that there are an incredible amount of people in St. Louis who, who have simply need a little bit of a hand to, to get themselves back up. And, and, uh, and so we've created a program around, you know, how we think that best makes sense. You know, our, our overall mission is, is to support people who have, you know, been homeless, uh, provide them affordable housing, you know, offer them a little bit of a help in that. Again, not necessarily free rent from go, but affordable housing provide them a community of people who care about them and are willing to listen to them and advocate for them that can, you know, direct them in, into the correct resources and so on. And then, uh, you know, that advocacy program is, is what we really think differentiates what we're doing versus just simply putting a roof over the head. You know, we think again, back to the, you know, we all have people who can help us and direct us. Not everybody has that. And so by just being a voice of someone who will listen to them, but then say, okay, you're having this issue. I know someone in that world that you should mm-hmm. connect with and and maybe that's all it takes for them to to get back and, and get their lives going again so. sure because nobody wakes up in the morning and says gee you know what i don't know where the heck i'm gonna lay my head mm-hmm. down tonight mm-hmm. i mean if we were to Can't think imagine. about i mean can you yeah, even think no. that that would be no. the focus of your mindset first thing in the morning right. you know where am i going to sleep tonight mm-hmm. yeah. and when you have that in your brain how can you do anything else sure you know you overlook all other kinds of things it could be that you know what i've had this abscess that i've really been needing to get taken care of but you know what i need that 40 or 50 dollars to be able to go and stay at this um Mm -hmm. low cost motel for the night Mm -hmm. so i live with the access abscess so that I can go over yeah. here and, and, you know, and we should not have to make those kinds of choices. That's exactly right. I mean, I think that's that's often when you talk to folks that don't necessarily take the time to understand what some of these people go through. You know, I think that's typically what you hear, right? It's it's pick yourself up, go get a job. You have, and, and it's, it is, it's, it, they get into a pattern of, of just knowing how to survive every day and, and, and take care of, you know, the immediate needs instead of, you know, looking like it's hard for anyone to look long-term when you don't know where you're going to sleep that night. And so it, it is just trying to give them that little bit of stability so that they can start to focus on what they need to do on a daily basis to, to do that. And whether it's mental health, physical health, like you mentioned, I mean, anything mm-hmm. there's, there's minor legal issues that some of our guys have fallen through that, you know, we have the resources to connect them to people that can take basic things off their record so that they can go get a job or you know the system as a whole when you really dive into it it's tough to navigate and for even us we're a you know we're grassroots all volunteer based board every single person on our board in the beginning and really still today have have are just volunteer based that want to make a difference and um this past year a a big focus of ours is to get into a a five-year strategic plan we've we've looked at you know since 2012 there's been some great things but how do we really grow that how do we be sell you know more sustainable so that we can help more people and and some of those big things that we've identified are the the partnerships or resources that can that can go beyond just a, a group of people that that want to help and and actually take care of some things. So it's it's folks like Bridgebred who can can be a resource for for employment. Uh, it's it's folks like Arch City Defenders who can help us knock out some some very minor legal issues that ultimately mm-hmm. can completely shut someone down from from basic you know jobs or things like that. It's we, it's... we joke that Brian could take the bar um, <laughs> now because so Brian's an advocate for um ha- has been an advocate for residents and um he's he has been sort of forced to work through some legal issues 
and and has succeeded in those, you know, and you learn way more about the law than you probably expected to. Yeah, at really, this when you point. when you dig into and don't really utilize the the partnerships and and the resources that are out there, you can re- really very quickly understand how hard it is to for someone to navigate through basic things like food stamps or mm-hmm. why am I not getting this or you know why can't I take care of this minor legal issue I mean it's it's not as, as easy as everyone kind of tends to getting think insurance you know this idea that people are just taking advantage of the system all I, I tell you and I've joked about this <laughs> but if, if that's a real thing I would love to to talk to the folks that can do that because it's, it's really complicated to to get set up correctly and the system is set up to 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 do that and so you know it, it, it we're at the point now with with our strategic plan that we're just trying to really uh, make ourselves, you know, take ourselves to that next level of, of and we're doing that. We have a, a brand new property that we have just purchased. So we're quickly going to be going from four units to eight units uh, by the end of the year. It's currently under renovation. And so, uh, yeah, so a lot of our focus right now is is how to, to take ourselves to the next level and help as many people as we can. Well, just giving people a, a permanent address is a big help because if you Huge. think about it, you can't get, you know, I mean, what does your ID say, sure. you know, in terms of an address and then where do you get things mailed to you Mm -hmm. especially if you have legal issues things like that you need to have an address where you can get the paperwork in a timely fashion Mm -hmm. you know you you have it mailed to a friend's house and the next thing you know you know it goes there it gets put under a a magazine or they didn't know who it was and they throw it out and you know and now there's that person needing this material and information and it's not available to them or keeping a cell phone on to to be able to get a call back or you know basic things you know yes there are are ways to to you know have wi-fi or do these different things it's things we provide but you know basic things like yeah having an address having a working cell phone that someone can contact you i mean they're just they're what seems so basic to so many people it, it can really just make it very difficult for someone to to you know get back on their feet yeah yeah i can see that for sure you know one of the words i've heard in our conversation here and the previous conversation we had in the first hour was community. Mm-hmm. And communities being a safety net for the rest of the members of the community. That it's just, you're just not there dangling, you know, by the high wire on your own without a net. That there are people there that are willing to support you. Maybe maybe get a platform so you don't have to fall into a net, but you can just step down onto it or, or cast a, a rope down to pull you up a little bit. That's one of the things I see that that they're doing here. That, but you know, I always have the question in mind, and and maybe you two have probably have the same question. But is it kind of set up in our system that we need these poor people, we need homeless people, we need these people to be out there because it gives us some sense of whatever it gives us a sense of. You know, the Bible tells us things like the poor will be with you always. And so people kind of look at that and say, well, look, the Bible said, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. so it must be so. But does it have to be so? I I hope not. You know, I I think, I think, um, you know, one thing, I mean, I think for us, our goal is to, to not have it be that way. You know, I think there's 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 nothing that says that there won't be homeless and and poverty and and things like that and there is you know there's two different mindsets i think you know obviously we are trying to assist and and be a resource and i think there's plenty of people out there that would would have the opposite end of that and say it is a pecking order and there is there is uh you know who you know you know uh whoever can get to it first kind of mentality and um, I hope not. You or know. who deserves it. Mm-hmm. Well, and no, two, I just the... read recently they were talking about the income of the father, of a father, 
can determine the outcome of the children. Sure. And so it's mm-hmm. not always that you have the best and the brightest going to college. Yeah. You know, sure. it's it's because their parents can mm-hmm. afford for them to go to college. But the best and the brightest may be the, you know, some of the times you think about the drug dealer that can, or the, or the numbers runner that can hold, you know, a hundred numbers or put, do math in their head. And you think, wow, yeah. if you could do that, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, why aren't you an accountant? Sure. Scott, Scott Walker with Kingdom House has, uh, this always resonates with me. He always says, p- Certain people win the birth lottery. You know, you and I have won the birth lottery. You better you know, my mom it. and dad have given me an incredible start, and not everybody has has that. You know, I, I think it makes about a that. Yeah, world of difference in where you end up, that, and people can overcome. You know, being born in you know not great circumstances, but it's really hard to do that. So the, the climb is much harder. Yes. Yeah. That, that's an argument that I, I think I struggle with the most when talking to individuals and this idea that um, everyone has the same opportunities for success. And I just, you know, once you really dig into to some of these folks' lives and, 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 and I, I grew up in St. Charles, Missouri, I had an incredible upbringing. I have fantastic parents and an unbelievable family who, uh, again, if I ever fell on hard times, there's no way I would end up like some of our tenants have. And um, and just the the experiences that I went through versus, you know, some of the experiences that that you know the youth in in some of the the um, tougher neighborhoods right now are going through today, you know, the odds of them succeeding and getting to a point are, are so against them. It's just unbelievable, uh, and and it, it's not hard once you really learn it or. You know, talk to some of these individuals, talk to someone that's out on the street and, and struggling to hear their story and to hear their background of how they ended up where they ended up. It, it's not hard to understand it. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it, it's very easy to see that not everyone has the same opportunities uh, and, 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 you know, and, and even things like minimum wage or, or these different things that are put in front of people, you know, and, and people will say, well, you know, just don't, don't be a criminal, don't get into crime. And it's like, the, 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 what life is throwing in front of you, it's not hard to see how some people, you know, turn to different routes to, to try to just have a little bit of joy or a little bit of life every day. Well, you know? how that plays with your psyche and it, and it becomes so ingrained in who you are that this is my norm. Mm-hmm. This is life for me. You know, one of the big things about poverty is I'll get through today and tomorrow's tomorrow. That's exactly. But today right. is today and I'm going to live it to the fullest. And mm-hmm. people wonder why some individuals will buy, you know, $350 Michael Jordan shoes. Well, it's today. <laughs> today. I'm not worried about retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not worried about, you know, I've got today. And, you know, I, I, uh, I you know, I really understand that. In, in the second half hour, I want, would like you guys to talk. You've talked a little bit about advocacy. Uh, I want you to go into a little bit more about that. But I also want you to go into how you how you get how how people come into the program mm-hmm. and whether they're referred to you uh, how you vet them what do you do with uh, individuals uh, who are who are struggling along the way have you ever ever had to quote unquote evict someone mm-hmm. uh, you know what what are those situations like because I, I want to give all of our listeners a real understanding that this is just not some handout right. that uh, you're really trying to change some lives but people still struggle with things. It's just very much like Absolutely. alcoholism or drug abuse. You know, it's 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 a difficult process to get over. Well, you know, and Arnold, I know that you came up in a great family, and um, Brian, you did, Michelle, you did. But I could tell you, what would it have done for you if your dad could have just given you a million dollars? Would that be great to get started? <laughs> well, I think my dad's listening. I'll ask him. <laughs> 
<laughs> How about it, pops? What are you gonna do? <laughs> you know, but when you think about it, and we start to talk about, you know, I mean, that is that right there is is something to think about because you all came up, great home, great family, great opportunities, you know. But then we listen to another person who's a leader say, "Oh, I only got a million dollars," and I always think, "Boy, if my dad had given me a million dollars, okay," you know. And so a lot of this is relevant, to, relevant, relative, also. Absolutely, yeah. You know, yep. to our socioeconomic positioning. But mm-hmm. again, it goes back to you've done really, really well in life. But if your dad could have given you a million dollars, where would you be today? You know, you probably wouldn't be the same people, though, that you are now. You wouldn't have no. the same heart. You're right. It's all about experiences, right? And so I think yep. if, if you're right. handed a million dollars, the experiences you have or you grew up in a house that millions of dollars were were was norm, no money was norm <laughs> yeah right. i mean your experiences are very different than you know anything i think that's what really changes minds and hearts is when you go through those experiences and understand them versus looking at them from you know 10,000 feet and trying to just immediately put your spin on on what you think is happening i think those experiences mean everything and they mm-hmm. completely take us to where we're going. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but when you all saw homelessness and you all were in your church meeting, you know, how many times did you all, have you had you all heard that that same message? Oh yeah, I mean, it's definitely something, and we, it, we, we thought about it a lot and we even talked to our residents about that a lot because I think that sometimes, I mean, it's definitely an up and down sort of progression, even when they are housed with us. And if you can sort of give them the right perspective or help them get the right perspective on things are okay now, I know that you're going through this challenge, but think of how far you've come. And, you know, they sort of can get themselves way back down from an attitude level of, you know, where can I... Where can I go from here? Where can we go from here? We can go to break. Oh, this my is, gosh, not to break. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Hey, we're having a good time on Intune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. We've been talking to Brian Randanzo and Michelle Rotterham from Home First STL, and we had left off uh, at our previous uh, half hour about talking about advocacy and and would you guys distinguish between that advocacy what you do and and kind of case management that happens out there in in the world too sure yeah so uh, you know again we kind of think our advocacy program uh, is what differentiates us so uh, outside of just housing we try to provide the support and so every tenant that we have um, ultimately agrees to go into a program um, with our with our group so it's not just simply a lease agreement um, we are uh, making them sign off on a program that says you're going to meet with a, an advocate once a week and and there's just different things that go along with with what entails to kind of get into our program but but on the advocacy side yeah you know so ideally it's it's a different role than necessarily just a case manager now um you know, since 2012, I, I can't always say that that's been the case. And so actually this year we are actively going to be hiring for our first on-staff uh, uh, part-time case manager because what we've noticed is that while the advocacy program has uh, uh, its goals to it, so we want to be, uh, again, a, a, someone that they can talk to, someone that they can just, just you know, vent to, you know, they've had a rough week or this has been bothering them or, or so on. We want to be be someone that they can talk to and share their life with, uh, and and be a community around them. Uh, at the same time, there is just day to day stuff that they're dealing with that, 
you know, within that role, not having, not all these guys have exactly a case manager assigned to them. We were, we were dealing that Michelle joke that, you know, I could, I could ultimately be a, an attorney at this point. It's because of that. It's because when we would go sit with them, they would share these things and we would ultimately jump in and try to fix that. Right. We would try to help with those, with those situations. And so we became uh, more case management than we, than we wanted to. And so um, our big goal for, for next year and in the next five years is to have a case manager on staff so that we can appropriately be an advocate to these to these individuals and just be um, someone who points them in the right directions, you know, uses our network to help them if we can, or just simply listen if they if they need to text or call or, or whatever, whatever the case might be. So that's that's ultimately what we, we try to do. But yeah, they do have someone assigned to them and, and it's weekly. So so how do you get how does someone get into the program? Uh, do you know, do you get referrals? Mm-hmm. Uh, does somebody yeah. come from Bridgebred and and, yeah. and Fred say, hey, you know, they're they're making a really good living wage here now and they've got a skill and they just need some stable uh, place to live. And Bridgebred has been a really good partner with us even in the in the past. We've definitely had residents who either they were a resident with us first and then began working at Bridgebred or the other way around. Bridgebred has, you know, th- they hired a woman, um, I don't know, probably three years ago or so, two or three years ago. And she was still homeless when she became an employee. And I th- we housed her within less than a week. Um, wow. Got an apart, got the apartment that was almost ready. Got it, re- or actually, we we ended up finding a, an apartment to sublease for her. Um, so we even just kind of went outside the box. We're a small group and nimble like that, which right. is kind of nice, you know, when you're not sort of like tied to government money you can just sort of pivot and make decisions based on the need that's in front of you flexibility yeah it's been really really great so um you know that was that was one of the partnerships at that time um we were able to house someone from bridge but typically if we have a unit that is about to be ready in terms of we've renovated it we you know everything's sort of occupiable um we we put furniture in it we put all of the household items and food that people might need to sort of start because we all know how expensive that target trip is when you Mm -hmm. when you get into a new place so we don't want people to have to worry about that um but so basically if a few weeks you know we don't do it too far ahead of time but when we're about to have a unit ready we start collecting applications from referral sources so or that's historically how we've done it so places like Bridgebred or St. Patrick Center or um, Kingdom House, or, you know, yeah, even Arch Arch City, City Defenders. Defenders. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a um, you know I think it's through the strategic plan, especially over the last few you know year, we've really tried to identify that right person, and so you know our referral sources know kind of who we're looking, looking for. for. Yeah, yeah. They, they know yeah. that it's, you know, it's it's someone that's employable. It's someone that maybe falls through the cracks of what is a true definition of, of always perfectly, you know, defined homelessness. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we utilize those resources to, to, to bring us those referrals. And then we have an, an intake process with St. Patrick's Center. We, we have an interview process that we will also go through and we kind of walk through some steps to, to identify, you know, who's the right fit for, for our program because, you know, we are a limited resource. We don't have hundreds of units. And so um, we really are looking for individuals who who have the ability to successfully kind of take advantage of the stability that we're providing them and, and are showing that that desire to kind of get themselves back on their feet. And and, uh, and that's something that even now we're, we're really trying to be even more careful of because um, while we want to be compassionate and help 
everyone, you know, the resources are what they are. And, and, and the fact that we are an all volunteer base and we don't have unlimited funds and, and some of those things, it, it forces us to really, um, you know, identify that right candidate. And, and we haven't always been perfect at that. Um, mm-hmm. That's something we really are striving to be better at because, you know, we've, we've seen that when, you know, you asked something earlier about, you know, eviction or things like that, we've seen that if it's not the right candidate, you know, we're not probably the best solution. We can actually, you know, also um, maybe maybe not help them as much as we would like to. And that can become frustrating for everyone involved. And so we're, we're trying to be a little bit more even fine-tuned with that. But yeah, ultimately it's a referral source and then they go through our process and, and kind of get in, involved with our program. So how many units do you have? I know you had the, the, the Genesis, is it the Genesis home? Yeah, yep. yeah. That's a four-unit property. That was so, the first one, obviously. Yes, Genesis. that was the first one. Yeah. <laughs> so we um, we bought that in 2013 and renovated one unit at a time, basically. So we've um, and then this this year we bought our second four-family property and it's currently under construction. Okay. So we hope to within the next two months or so have that apartment or the, all of those apartments ready. Now, where's where's the goal down the road? As you as you, you talked about, Brian, a, a five-year mm-hmm. kind of plan, long-term uh, commitment. Sure. What, what's the, the goal down the road? Is this to get one unit a year sure. or one four-family a year? Or what's so the, in the beginning, it you know, I think the goal was, uh, uh, we thought a property a year was uh, a realistic uh, outcome. And I think as we went through Those it- Those were the naive yeah, times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as we went through it, I think we very quickly realized that, you know, we need to have our, our, our stuff together, you know, as we go through this, because uh, the more people you take on, the more demand there is. And so, you know, even right now, as we're getting to eight units, you know, we're, we're starting to put out a, a recruitment, you know, we need more advocates, we need uh, more board members, we need things as we, we as, mm-hmm. as the units grow, we need the the support to grow and not outside of just even funding. And so um, that's something that we're, we're working on. But long term, you know, we we believe in the next five years, we're probably looking at four properties, which will, um, you know, every and, and staying within the model of four units per, per property uh, is, is kind of where we see this. But the, the plus side is right now through the kind of uh, taking our time to figure out where we're going, we have uh, the first unit or the first property is completely paid off. And we and we bought this this next property completely debt free. And so that sustainability model of now, you know, here's the expenses for this property. And, and then we have the residents paying rent that takes care of the property. So any other donation starts to support future growth mm-hmm. and so on. And that's exactly the model that we wanted to to get into. And now it's just a matter of following through and keeping that going. So so now that we're at the stage we're at and we have the plan in place of how we're going to we're going to do that, we believe, you know, we very quickly could be even looking at, especially with the market, kind of how it is right now, there might be more properties being bought earlier to support, mm-hmm. you know, our, our future yeah. growth. And so, and, 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 and even the way we're looking at how we house those properties. So we mentioned the referral base, but, you know, Bridge Bread's a fantastic resource for us. And they, they, you know, have very similar guidelines as to who they, they bring on, you know, how, how they define the people that they're going to bring on. And so, you know, when you look at, you know, where we kind of want to fit in, into the overall, you know, ecosystem of, of the homeless community, I think things like being able to find employment quickly is is something that supports our mission, but is also very in line with with uh, Bridge Bread. And so, you know, as they have great success stories, they just got a, a nice contract with Chase with Chase Hotel to 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 do some some work uh, roles for them. You know, that provides they're they're adding employment, and so right. you know, very quickly we don't have debt on these other two properties as they're adding people, we can go out and look for another property and know that we're going to have the opportunity to maybe fill them with people who can pay rent from go. And that just supports that model mm-hmm. very, very nicely for us. So it's flexible, but that's kind of where we see. Does there see the a success story that you can talk about? 
Sure. I mean, absolutely. We have, um, I mean, multiple individuals that we uh, have housed or, or have even moved on. We uh, we don't call ourselves a temporary uh, transitional housing or temporary housing. We don't call ourselves permanent housing. And we can do that. As I mentioned, you know, we, we get private donations. We don't have any uh, federal grants or any grants that restrict us from how we define our actions uh, and, or decide how or where that money gets spent. Um, so because of that, we we can kind of allow our, our individuals to ultimately they, they likely are going to graduate out and grow out of our, our units. Our units aren't the biggest. Uh, we do have rules and program rules that if they're going to be in our house, they have to abide by. So, you know, once someone gets to where they can afford market rent and, and market rate and so on, you know, there's an incentive that they kind of want to get out and, and do their own thing, which is great. Uh, so we've had some folks move on and, and even currently we have a couple individuals. Uh, one of them who uh, has since been in our program has gotten his GED, has started his own lawn care business and is, has bought his own truck with, with uh, you know, proper insurance and proper licensing and, and started his own business. And we have uh, another individual who with Bridge Bread is, is managing Bridge Bread and actually running the, you know, helping run the day to day. And both individuals are actually looking at kind of in that stage of, you know, I think I'm ready and starting to look on towards, you know, what the future holds. And that's, you know, but but those are those are great success stories. But there's also so many little things that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the the ability to maybe remove something off of someone's background or help remove something off someone's background, and all of a sudden they're able to see their kids more, or or able to go get a job, or um, it's you know coming up to the holiday times, and and uh, every year around the holiday times we we decorate the apartments and put Christmas trees up, and um, for almost you know multiple years in a row we've had individuals who are putting up their very first Christmas tree, and so you know those success stories are, are for us just as big as, you know, some of the other ones. And so, uh, you know, and not to say that everything has always gone perfect. It's, it's, it's not easy to get, get to those, these points with some of these guys. I mean, there's like Michelle said, it's, it's a roller coaster and there's, there's the lows are just as low as the highs. And, um, and, uh, so we have some, some really cool success stories, but we also have some struggles that have taught us, you know, how to do things better. And, um, but again, some of those little things are, are just as rewarding, you know, guys that have the ability to buy their kids birthday presents or, or, you know, Christmas gifts for the first time. That is just awesome for us. Mm-hmm. You know, holiday times are lonely anyway. Sure. And when you have somebody who's in a situation that's been very, very difficult to have an atmosphere that supports you and that encourages you, especially where they've come from, that that's really, really nice. Now, do you find, because we know that there are a number of organizations that are doing something very similar, not doing what you're doing, but very similar. And of course, the community doesn't always see the differences in organizations. Have you ever run into it where people are just becoming weary of donating to these types of programs? Sure, sure. And you know, I usually just like, if if someone will have coffee with me, please, you know, like we can certainly get over that hump because I think what we're doing, some of the big differentiators, I think when people are like, oh, oh my God, how are, how are you guys even doing that? Is the fact that we're all volunteer, you know, not, I'm not naive to think that that will always be the case, but we've been operating that way for, for years. And we have, and basically what that tells people is that we are absolutely dedicated to our mission. Right. And, you know, Brian and I both have full-time plus jobs and you know we're committed to home first and and our residents and so i think that that just sort of tells people okay we're not just giving to something you know that you know they're employing people that maybe don't maybe don't care as much as i'd like them to um so that's one big big thing and then the fact that 
I think we really do resonate with um, men um, because they start to realize that, yeah, man, if I really, if I were to become homeless, there's really not a whole lot out there for for me. So I think that that, it, that typically resonates so as well. So if we've got people that are interested in becoming an advocate or a volunteer what what opportunities how do they do that uh, and, and what kind of opportunities are there sure so um i mean first and foremost as we mentioned being a group that really relies on private donations and so on that we're that we're st- intentionally staying away from um not that we don't you know go after some grants but grants that that do restrict how we how we operate um you know private donations and things like that are, are absolutely huge for us i mean it's unbelievable and and we can share more you know what some of the most basic costs can can do i mean we've we've had uh, some it's just a fantastic growth of, of of private donations and and overall um, 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 help with with that that is that has done just I mean everything from helping us buy our next property but helping people um, just do some of the most basic things the food kits meal kits uh, bus passes yeah we we provide transportation for the first six months I mean that all is there's there's expenses that roll through every every month for us that um, the most basic donations can be can become so huge for for our success stories. Um, but even beyond there, um, like I mentioned right now, we are in growth mode. Um, so I think more, more often what people are looking for is that hands-on kind of volunteering. And, and you know, for us, um, we, we definitely do some service days every once in a while to upkeep the properties. You know, right now we've gone through uh, several um, um, days of volunteering on the new property to help with demolition and, and to help kind of start that renovation process. And so that's been fantastic. We have just an unbelievable amount of groups that have, that have offered their time for that. Um, after that, you know, we, we lose some of that ability there's really not that need for hands-on and so um, what we often try to, to encourage is you know around the holidays we get we get churches or different organizations that are wanting to do donations whether it be uh, gifts or they ask us for you know items and lists that we can provide that they can do that uh, that's often sometimes the easiest is to have a list and they get people to donate and that's always something that we can share and 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 do um, but as we grow you know honestly if there's anybody listening that you know when I first started Home first. It was based on a volunteer day. I knew Michelle through through work, and I uh, came to a volunteer day. And the more I learned, the more I fell in love with the mission because I was looking for something more hands on, uh, and 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 something that I could f- see that that impact that I was having. And and I can say that, that there's nothing I, that I've ever seen that's that's bigger than than this. And, and and the reason I became an advocate was I was meeting with someone weekly, and and not only was was I helping them, but they were helping me. I mean, I you know I would think I was having a, a hard week until. I sat down and talked, you know, with my with my tenant, and and it was just unbelievable what that would do. Perspective, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, big yeah, perspective. And so as we're growing, you know, we 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 want to continue to grow our advocate, you know, bucket, and we want to add to our board members. Um, we're looking for, you know, we're not naive in the community. We're, we're looking for more diversity on our board. We think, you know, we we've added some, and and it's unbelievable the impact that can have. And again, that 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 point of experiences. We want as many different kinds of experiences sitting on our board as we can. Um, but we're also looking for, you know, folks that have social work background or, or legal background or, uh, contracting background, all these different, you know, skill sets that as we grow, we need more of mm-hmm. within our board. And so, you know, if there is anybody looking for, uh, you know, listening, that's, that's looking for how do I spend more time or where can I spend my time or where can I put some focus and are looking for, you know, that are passionate about the homeless community or, you know, looking to have a great impact, you know, we would encourage them to, to reach out because that is, is absolutely something we think we offer. Um, and, and then from there, you know, we next year will be a year that we're going to start building a, an annual program. 
we've been lucky uh, to have a lot of different organizations that that sponsor us through an, an interest. So uh, Michelle, fundraiser, right? fundraiser, yeah. yeah. And and uh, and that's fantastic. And so by all means, if, if anyone's looking to, you know, they have an event and they're looking, you know, trying to decide who or where we'd love to sit down and talk about what we do even more so they can get an understanding. And, and those are always great. Um, but we're looking to do an annual uh, event as well. So there'll be more information coming on that uh, in the in the next few months to try to get something like that started as well. On our website, um, you can contact us very easily through there. It's www.homefirststl.org. Homefirst-stl.org. Yeah, www.homefirststl. Yeah, it's Google us, you'll find us. Yeah, dash stl.org. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. Yeah. All right. Hey, closing remarks. Anything that we missed asking you guys? I don't think so. You know, I think uh, if one, we just appreciate the opportunity to come speak and, and kind of tell our story. Uh, we we love what we're what we're doing and are very passionate about it. But you know, I think there's a lot of people. You know, I, we were listening to even your earlier earlier program, and you know, I think there's so many great things happening in this community. There's there's it's so easy to talk about the negatives, but there's so many people in this community, especially as we've spent the last few years building relationships and understanding other organizations that are out there that can be a resource for us. There's so many people doing amazing things out there that, you know, just the opportunity to tell our story and connect, you know, I think there are people out there looking to help and, and find ways to help. And it's just a matter of finding where they fit. And so if anybody if anybody has mm-hmm. any interest in learning more, we, we would just always, you know, we'd always be up for having a coffee and talking more. Coffee always works to uh, help uh, communicate some things. Coffee sure. and a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> well, or come to a board meeting. I mean, that's a lot of times when we get real interest. We just tell well, people, run come, right off. come <laughs> on. Well, it's, it's funny because our board meetings are, you know, we're, we're totally a working board. So our board meetings aren't just voting on stuff it's like you're doing we, things we're sure. actually like really doing the work and talking about the real are they you know, open the for people just to show up sure yeah if, mm-hmm. if people have interest in learning more we we allow guests to kind of come in and and you know obviously there's different times where we may have something that we we restrict that but um but for the most part if someone really wants to learn more and even after talking to us if they want it we're we're more than willing to share and have people come in and sit in and listen and ask questions and get more familiar well, Brian Randanzo and Michelle Rotherham from Home First STL, we greatly appreciate you coming in today and sharing with, with us about uh, the work that you guys are doing. And, and you know, the word passion, again, uh, you, don't, you don't do this because you're under compulsion. You don't do this because, gee, I don't have anything else to do. You do this because you, you want to try to help people and you have a love for what you're doing and you've really been engrossed as, uh, to the efforts and the results of what you've been doing. You can see that change in people's lives, I'm sure. And what's good about them is that, you know, oftentimes we do wait until we're older, we're retired, we have the time to do it. But to see these two young people, you know, they're probably only mid-30s, you know, but they're really, really, you know, taking out what is what would be considered prime earning years to, to give. You know, they've already learned that spirit of volunteerism and giving back to their community. And they're not doing it because, like he said, I don't have anything better to do or I'm just retiring, so I'll do this now. (laughs) 
Well, to that point, I have to say, I mean, I have I have the uh, the best wife, and we have a one year old yeah. at home. Uh, oh my that, goodness! That allows me to not only work full time, uh, like Michelle said, full time plus, but but put a lot of time into what we're doing here, and and uh, just incredibly uh, accepting and, and and passionate about what I'm passionate about, and 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 willing to allow me to spend the time to do. <laughs> Thanks, that because, Colleen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, the yeah. thing of it is, is your one year old will grow up doing all of this stuff. I hope so because yeah. my kids, I mean, all the stuff that I ever did, you know, they learn. How to do all kind of stuff, like stuffing bags, cutting out papers, sure. making mm-hmm. name tags, yeah, all yeah, kind of things. Yeah. And so that even when your child is young, yeah. you know, bringing them up, bringing him or her mm-hmm. up in that spirit of volunteerism is a really good yeah. thing. Yeah, I hope so. My husband Ross was one of the co-founders as well. So for for us, it's helped to have it have both of us involved. Right. And you know, so it's very understanding when you know when you're busy. You know why. <laughs> well, we greatly so. appreciate you yes, being here do. today. Thank you for the time. Thank you.